0: chapter four of the lady of the basement flat by mrs george de horn vesey this librivox recording is in the public domain a talk in london the aunts expressed a mitigated approval of charmian's proposal mrs fane came of a good family and was very well left her married estate moreover gave her the privilege of chaperonage so that the dual establishment might be quite a good arrangement all things considered until until echoed aunt eliza eloquently nodding coyly at me while i stared into space with basilisk calm i object to references to my problematical marriage especially by aunts the great until never arrived for them yet they feel quite annoyed because twenty-six has found me still a spinster i made my journey to london with a sense of great adventure bridget going with me in the dual role of maid and mentor she was the only person who was to accompany me into the new life and experience had proved that her sound common sense might be trusted to act as a brake on the wheels of my own impetuosity we stayed the morning in town when i interviewed a house-agent and set him on the search for suitable flats and then we adjourned to the west end to buy a becoming new hat it always soothes me to buy hats in times of doubt and depression it is an admirable tonic to the feminine mind at three o'clock we left waterloo for our two hours journey and arrived at the old-fashioned inn which was to act as rendezvous before half-past five charmion was awaiting us in a private sitting-room long oak-beamed spotlessly cleaned and a trifle musty with that faint but unmistakable mustiness which hangs about old rooms and old furniture tea was set out on one half of the oak dining-table the china was of the old-fashioned white and gold order the cups very wide at the brim and cramped at the handle and possessing a dear little surprise rose at the base which peeped out through a hoar-frost of sugar as you drained the last gulp charmion laughed at my delight over that rose but i was in the mood to be pleased to see happy auguries in trivial happenings i hailed that rose as a type of unexpected joys charmion was dressed in business-like grey tweeds with a soft grey felt hat slouched over her head she looked very pale very frail intensely vibratingly alive this extraordinary contradiction between body and mind made a charm and mystery which it is difficult to express in words one longed to protect and shield her to tuck her up on a sofa and tend her like a fragile child at the very same moment that mentally one was sitting at her feet domineered by the influence of a master mind i ate an enormous tea and Charmian crumbled a piece of cake upon her plate then we had the things taken away and drew up to the fire and toasted our toes and looked into each other's eyes and exclaimed simultaneously "'Well?' Hitherto we had talked on general subjects, Kathleen's marriage, the break-up of the old home, my own journey, etc. But now we were free from interruption for an hour at least, and the great subject could be safely tackled. "'Evelyn, do you realize that nothing is settled and that nothing need be unless you were absolutely wholeheartedly sure?' i am absolutely wholehearted about several things already what sort of things were you thinking about well take the house first it meets my ideal but it mayn't be yours you must promise to give an unvarnished opinion make your mind easy if there's one thing that i may claim to be above all others it is unvarnished i have a brutal frankness in expressing my own opinion if through nice feeling i try to disguise it my manner shrieks it aloud that's all right then i'm glad to hear it next comes the question of time we should have to take a lease of three years i don't know if you'd care to bind yourself for so long that reminded me of the aunt's until and i said solemnly Charmian, tell me the worst is there an eligible bachelor who owns the next place ready to discover me picking his roses or trespassing on his side of the stream and to make love to me forthwith they always do in books you know when girls go to live in country houses charmion smiled her slow languorous smile have amused myself with looking up the names of the people living in all the big houses around they seem uniformly made up of couples to the best of my belief there is not a single man bachelor or widower within many miles i said oh and felt the faint natural dismay which any human girl would feel in the circumstances charmian herself was enough romance for the present and a precipitate lover next door would for the moment have been de tropes. but still my expression unvarnished evidently betrayed my feelings for charmian smiled sighed and stretched out a caressing hand let's be honest it is foolish to set up a partnership in the dark is there anyone, Evelyn, who may swoop down upon us at a moment's notice and carry you off to share his house? But to the best of my knowledge, there is not a solitary one. I'm quite sure of one thing, and that is that, however wildly he swooped, I wouldn't go. But there must be. You are so pretty, Evelyn, and so attractive. There must have been. Oh, yes, two. But not real lovers, Charmion, only us one was young and needy and ambitious and thought that i should look very well sitting at the head of his table incidentally that my money would be useful to provide the table and the things upon it the other he was rather a dear and he cared enough to give me a pang but he was happily married last year to a girl who is as unlike me in every respect as you can possibly imagine well, they are both ancient history now and you-you yourself you've never been in love if any other woman had asked me such a question there would have been short shrift with her charmian herself had never before attempted such personalities but now when she deemed it necessary she spoke without a flicker of hesitation her grey eyes staring full into mine it would have seemed ridiculous to take offence once at first sight quite bowled over we met at a hotel she knew what i meant made a dainty little grimace and bent her head in a small bow of acknowledgment which somehow managed to look quite regal and stately i longed to put one or two questions in return widows have been known to marry again why should i not wish to be reassured on my own account why should it be wrong for me to force confidences when she herself had led the way it would not be wrong it would be right and prudent and praiseworthy the only objection was i could not do it after that little bow of acknowledgment charmion threw back her head until it rested on the high cushioned back of her chair that's settled then she said quietly her heavy lids drooped over her eyes her fine white hands were folded in her lap there was in voice and manner an air of finality which was as impervious as a barrier of barbed wire not for any bribe in the world would i have attempted to scale it the next morning bright and early we chartered a fly and lumbered along two miles of country lanes and then suddenly turning a corner found ourselves at the gate of pastimes it was a dull gray day of which i was glad for any place can look attractive in spring sunshine i have seen even a third-rate london square look quite frisky and inviting with a shimmer of green over the black trees and the spring-cleaned windows sending out flashes of light it's a very different spectacle on a november afternoon five minutes acquaintanceship with pastimes showed however that its predominating quality was cheerfulness there was a great deal of panelling on the walls but it was of white wood not oak and the old small latticed windows had been converted into deep bays filled with great panes of plate-glass a pagan proceeding from an artistic point of view but infinitely cheerful and healthy there was a large central hall from either side of which opened two rooms of medium size facing respectively east and west a quaint descent of two steps led the way to a really spacious drawing-room through the great windows of which was a lovely vista of velvet lawn and a great cedar drooping its green branches to the ground parallel with the drawing-room and also facing south was a long glassed-in apartment which had evidently been used to harbour plants garden-chairs and impedimenta but which revealed itself to our eyes as an ideal sun-parlour for chilly days sheltered from draughts by the outstanding walls yet with a glass roof and frontage to catch every ray of sun the parlour would be an ideal refuge for spring and autumn so far as public rooms went we were well off with five apartments at the disposal of two people mine yours ours cried charmion waving her hands descriptively first towards the two smaller rooms then to the other three in turn in the hall we will eat the big room shall be no ordinary formal drawing-room but a living-room adieu the sun-parlour also we shall share but the sulkies shall be private ground hermetically sealed against intruders there is a spare room upstairs which can be spared for muddles i have a fastidiously tidy eye it offends me to see things scattered about but my hands will go on scattering them so it is necessary for my peace of mind to have a muddle-room where i can deposit bundles at a moment's notice and feel sure that they will not be tidied away well shall we go upstairs and see the bedrooms where are the stairs i asked curiously for from no corner of the hall was there a glimpse of staircase visible i would not thought about it before but now i realised it was just this absence which gave that touch of comfort and privacy which is wanting in the ordinary entrance lounge there was no draughty well no galleried space overhead from which curious ears could overhear private confidences i stared round mystified till charmion opened yet another doorway and behold there was the staircase the oddest curliest specimen of its kind mounting up and up within a narrow well for all the world-like steps in a church-tower except that these were wide and shallow and that a thick brass rod had been placed on the outer wall to act as a banister in case of need whoever had built pastimes had plainly believed that stairs were needed for the purpose of transit only and had refused to waste space on their adornment on the first landing were several good bedrooms two of which possessed big sunny balconies facing south that settles it i told charmian if i had had any doubts before the balconies would have decided me once and for all all my life i've yearned to have a bedroom opening onto a really big balcony i'm crazy about balconies think of the happy hours one has spent on balconies in switzerland and italy to have been in a room without one would have been to lose half the joy. And even in England, think of all the things one can do on a balcony of one's very own. Sleep out when it is hot. Air your mattress. Hang up your sponge. Grow your pet flowers. Dry your hair. Cry it out quietly when you feel blue. Sentimentalize over the railings when you feel rosé. Charmion's fine brows arched her lids drooped over her eyes i recognised the same expression which her face had worn the night before when for a moment i had seemed on the point of questioning her about her own romance once more i felt myself up against an impenetrable wall of reserve and hastily switched the conversation to the more prosaic topic of cupboards the very sound of a balcony bristles with romance but cupboards may be discussed with safety under the most lacerating circumstances there is something comfortably safe and stodgy about them and pastimes was so rich in this respect that we spent a happy half-hour appointing their future uses and jotting down notes for their improvement later on we visited the gardens beautiful even in their sleep and promising a very paradise for summer days the lawns and flower-beds immediately around the house were exquisitely in order but by far the greater part of the grounds was uncultivated there was a strip of real woodland where the light filtered down through the branches of tall old trees onto a carpet of dried leaves and bracken through which could be seen the close-growing green shoots which foretold a harvest of bulbs later on no doubt there would be primroses and bluebells and when summer came if i knew anything about it there would be two hammocks swinging between spreading branches and two happy women reposing therein it was this real country air which gave pastimes its chief charm that evening charmian came to my room and we sat together by the fire and talked for three solid hours as a rule i get fidgety in the evening when talk is the only amusement but i can sit and listen to charmian for as long as she chooses to go on she is interesting she says things in an interesting way and has interesting things to say i have met extraordinarily clever and well-informed people who are terrible bores charmian would be interesting if she told one how to make an egg flip as i watched the delicate play of expression on the tired face which was yet so thrillingly alive as i listened to the slow soft drawl of her voice i felt a sudden rush of thankfulness and exhilaration charmian i cried suddenly aren't you thankful to be rich she flinched as though i had struck her and turned upon me a wild-eyed look of affront rich who says i'm rich who's been talking about my affairs have you have you been making inquiries to find out what i'm worth i stared deeply offended i have not perhaps it would have been more business-like if i had but i accepted your word i asked a simple question because at the moment i happened to be feeling particularly thankful that i could afford to share pastimes with you and i imagine that you might possibly feel the same i paused waiting expectantly for words of apology and excuse but none came charmian stared at me below knitted brows and said shortly yes it is true you ought to have business references you shall have them my lawyer shall write to you at once i was a wretch to speak so sharply evelyn but you touched a sore point thankful no indeed money is a curse the greatest handicap a woman can have if i had my life to live again i should choose to be a penniless working girl she had taken off her rings and dropped them in a sparkling little heap on her lap the while she softly polished her long pink nails her padded kimono was of pink silk heavily embroidered with roses her feet were thrust into slippers of the same shade and material a more luxurious figure it would be difficult to imagine i rolled an expressive eye and she shrugged her shoulders in response oh of course i'm an artificial product and the chains hold fast. I don't take any particular interest in my appearance, but it is an ingrained habit to go through a certain routine. It would annoy me to have dull nails, so I polish them, as you see. Also, though I am dead tired, I shall have my hair brushed for half an hour before going to bed, and then steam my foolish face. It bores me profoundly, but it would bore me more to feel unkempt. So far as that goes i should do exactly the same on tuppence a week minus a maid and appliances Charmian shrugged daintily soap and water are cheap fortunately i beg your pardon not your kind of soap you might find even hot water a difficulty i imagine that girls on tuppence a week have to consider the price of boiling a kettle their hot water is not laid on moreover the poor dears must be dead tired in a way which you and i cannot even imagine it is their life charmion said loftily excuse me i mean to live that's why i am thankful to have money because it gives me more scope to live thoroughly poor innocent what a delusion money shuts the door of your cage a golden cage excellently padded but its bars shut out all the best things of life. I laughed again, for the statement was so opposed to all accepted theories. <laughs> what best things, for example? Confidence, said Charmion, solemnly. Trust in one's fellow-creatures. She lifted her heavy lids as she spoke, and her eyes looked into mine. In their grey depths was a blank, empty expression which once seen, is never forgotten, for it speaks of a hurt so deep and keen that the memory of it breaks the heart. I leapt from my seat and wrapped Charmian in my arms. Oh, my dear, my dear, there is one person you can trust. Whatever happens, Charmian, you can count on me. Darling, I know you've had troubles. I don't ask to hear about them i only want to be allowed to love you and to do all i can to help and to comfort never never be afraid to ask for anything i can do i would put you before myself Charmion, if it ever came to a choice between our different interests i would indeed don't you believe it's true she laid her two hands on my shoulders and smiled you dear thing i believe it is you would sacrifice yourself for me and i should accept the sacrifice it's the way we are made you to give and i to demand let us pray my dear that the day may never come when our interests do clash of a certainty poor evelyn you would come off worse End of chapter four